live from Columbia, Missouri, this is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia. Welcome to another edition of The Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Harrion. Alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan Franz. It is Friday September 11th, 2020, and it's been an interesting morning so far. I woke up actually on time for once, which for me is life-changing. I mean, if by on time you mean woke up when my alarm went off, then yes, yes I woke up on usually, time. Usually, but... I don't, I'm pretty sure a lot of people share this quality. When your alarm goes off, you turn it off, but you just keep lying in bed, and you keep lying there, and you're like, you know what, when am I actually going to get up? I mean, that's kind of the reference I was going to make because I did that exact thing this morning where I laid in bed for 20 minutes trying to convince myself that I had to get out of bed. And I finally it finally worked, and I, I now here I like, am. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to get up. I, I mean, do I want to be late to the studio? Do I actually want to beat Logan, which I did this morning? So <laughs> you did. Props to me. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know. Why. I win nothing, but hey. <laughs> you I win lot. bragging rights. I, I went for my pride. I cannot stand my alarm. I just I wake up. It's I set it to seven. It goes da 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 da. I'm just like sitting you know, there and always, I'm pressing always, snooze, uh, and you, you know it goes change. off after eight minutes. You What's can always that? change your alarm. Yeah, I yeah, play but I never do because I, you know, I'll tell you one time I actually changed the alarm and it didn't go off. Like I actually, I don't know if I slept through it or if it just kind of was like you know soothing enough for me to be like, oh, I'm not going to wake up to that. But the the xylophone ringtone wakes me up every single morning. It's like one of those things, like the conditioning, classical see, conditioning, see, whatever the psychological term is. The, uh, the, the things we get as Android users. We don't have we the luxury. Like well, I can still oh, play music from my Apple Music. I just can't play it through Spotify. I don't music. get How does the xylophone even wait? Like, I'm, maybe I'm just a heavy sleeper, but like that would never wake me up. Just like the so soothing thing. I would just sleep right through it. No, it's the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Are you talking about Reveille? No, xylophone. I don't want to go over ringtones here for 20 minutes, but I will say that. I have zero idea what what you're even talking about right now. I thought he meant like Reveille, like, you know, like the bugle. Oh, like the military? Thing? That's what I thought, but yeah. apparently not. No, it's a xylophone. It's like I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but, that, yeah. that that sound. I don't, I don't well, know like, if you guys I heard of it. I have a general idea as to what it is, but the tune you're humming. I I, I don't want to get into it, but I don't want to play it in all. front of the microphone. But I will say, the uh, the ringtone itself. Back to what I was saying here, but the ringtone itself. Condition me to wake up to it. I can't wake up to any other ringtone but that. If I played right. any music off of my Apple playlist, I don't know if I would literally wake up or not. But that has been the thing that has woken me up for the past three years. So I'm going to leave it at that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Today but, on the Hot Corner. Yeah. Ringtones with Michael E. Mommy. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should have them hum like that, the actual tone itself, <clears throat> as the uh, intro to that part. 37 different ringtones that I hum on the studio, right? We, we've been talking about ringtones for three minutes too long, and that means we've been talking about ringtones for three minutes. All right, all yeah. right. So before we go into our sports discussion today, we feel it's important to remember the thousands of lives that have passed away from the terrorist attacks that took place 19 years ago today of this very morning. We shall never forget the first responders and all those who were on the planes and in the buildings when the Al-Qaeda terrorists attacked the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and a field outside of Pittsburgh for, you know, where United Flight 93 was taken down. So for all of you guys listening, join us for a moment of silence to remember all those 
who were affected and are still affected today. Thank you. So, Thursday Night Football. It's what we all expect it to be. Bad. And I say this on the show basically every week when football season rolls around. You can look back at all the archives of our shows and you can you can see or hear I should say how I make fun of Thursday night football every time cuz it's always like you know like Thursday I got football to look forward to and it's on and you're like you know why am I wasting my time watching this horrible game Yeah it's it's really fun to look forward to it, and I think every year we get like one Thursday night football game that's like hey this one was good and fun but I mean you know these players are preparing on a short week and I mean, we, we talked about on the show before about the prospect of just eliminating Thursday night football. Please. It's just, they plan such, it's such a short week. They don't have a lot of time to prepare. People don't have a lot of time to get healthy and recover from the game that they played most of the time on the Sunday prior. So it's just, that four-day turnaround is just rough, and it continues to hinder teams. I mean, obviously with week one, it's a little different. And, I mean, one team in the Chiefs came out guns blazing this week, and the other team in the Texans came out rusty and fell flat. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, you know, I've got everything pulled up here and obviously I was expecting a lot more from a game that featured like two of the seriously good running mobile quarterbacks and Deshaun Watson with that huge payday. So I was expecting something to, to happen, obviously, in the first quarter we had and with Patrick Mahomes, this is quite surprising. I know that uh, touchdown was not caught, but we had punt, punt, touchdown touchdown punt touchdown miss field goal field goal touchdown punt punt interception touchdown touchdown punt touchdown field goal and then that end of the fourth quarter mark there that was the entire game yeah it, it was not it was, much it to was it absolutely brutal not much to it and i gotta say the scoreline really does not reflect uh how far apart these two teams were i would say watson um, played okay. I don't think he was awesome. I think he's a playmaker naturally, and I think he did some good things. I also think the offensive line was a bit of a problem as well, and I think the defense was a bit of a problem. But then again, I don't really want to say well, they're a problem when you have to go against Patrick Mahomes. So you're, you're thrown out here. You could have just said the entire team's a problem. Well, I don't know if that's fair to say, but I will say that the I issue is... I don't know. It might be. Well, I mean, when you're About playing the against Texans? the Chiefs... I mean, the, te the Texans are not very good. Well, they're I mean, not. There you go. They're not this season, I don't think. They traded away their biggest playmaker in DeAndre Hopkins for, you know, um, what sort of pocket change for a slightly used David Johnson and like yeah. a couple of draft picks. And they didn't even get a first rounder in that trade, which is the surprising part to me. Massive, massive L. It was not a good trade on Bill O'Brien's part, but <laughs> what else is there? And who do who do they have there at wide receiver now? They've got Kiki Kuti was Kenny up this Stills. week, so they've got yeah they've got Kenny Stills. Will Fuller's probably their top right. receiver until he it's inevitably hurt. hurts himself again, which you know he always ends up doing. I hate to say it, Randall but Cobb. It's just, you're injury prone until you're not. Used, Randall uh, Cobb's there, but washed he's, up Randall Cobb. He had 800, yeah. 800 yards last year for Dallas, so. Brandon Cook. That was also a much better offense than this one, I'd say. Yeah, but so that's to his credit, but right. Yeah, I mean, they really they were throwing footballs to someone with the last name Carter. I don't remember his first name. I want to say it's DeAndre Carter, but I don't yeah, think that's Carter, right. Yeah. Oh, it is right. Yep. Look at look at me getting things right. I don't even know. It. But yeah, so they're just they don't have a lot of receiving options outside of Hopkins. They didn't really replace. I mean, Brandon Cooks is there too, but he you know he was battling an injury this week. So that offense needs to get everything together soon here. But I feel like Watson is kind of the one carrying this group and. They just don't have a lot of talent after trading away Hopkins. It, it, it was a bad year for me to pick uh, Deshaun Watson as one of my quarterbacks in fantasy. I mean, he, he, he played good enough yesterday to get me some points. 
that he like he, he broke his expectation of points. So, yeah, okay. I, mean, I, I guess it's a success. I'd be worried about him when he's not playing a defense that's the Chiefs and not getting garbage time points like he did, like he did in yeah, Spades like, last night. Well, I will say the Houston Texans. They had their with their first draft pick. They obviously didn't pick in the first round, but when they picked their their second round draft pick, they picked Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle out of TCU. Excuse me, TCU, TCU, um, and defense. Yes, yes. Uh, defensive tackle out of TCU, and I was a little bit surprised they went the defensive route, although I don't think there were many offensive guys on the table, but I, I would expect them to kind of bulk up that offensive line a little bit more. I know they took uh, Charlie Hick in the fourth round out of North Carolina. Um, courtesy of that LA Rams trade, but I, I just think that there was um, there was a lot more they could have done. I think in the draft to kind of book up their, their one the O line, um, and I think you know it's not necessarily going to be a priority for them given the fact that Deshaun Watson is a very very good mobile quarterback. But I do think he needs some of that pressure lifted off of him because we saw a lot of throws last night, and one in particular where he was forced to throw uncomfortable under pressure like crazy. And, you know, the defensive linemen were in his face. And, and the Chiefs' pass rush is a good pass rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a solid line there. That is a solid front. And so, you know, they face the Chiefs like that. They're going to have to face other teams that are like that. And I think the AFC South, as you said, Logan, is soft. But when they're going up against the Colts and they're going up, and the Colts got a good front too, twice this year, you know, they're going to have to really ask some, some of those questions because yep. this is not a good showing at all. This is how you can tell Michael listens to what we're saying. He brought up a callback of something that I said last week on the show about the soft AFC South because you were talking about the Colts. Right. But, yeah, anyways, I think the the Texans, their best route forward is to go the Seahawks route and just kind of forget that the offensive line exists for years and years and just let their court, like, and that sounds bad, but I think it's the way the Seahawks have been operating fine for, like, years. They focused on the defense. They focused on bulking up their wide receivers. Now they have one of the best duos in the league in Metcalf and Lockett, and that's what the Texans need to do. I think they should have taken a wide receiver with their first pick in this past draft after trading away Hopkins. And I think that's going to be one of their biggest primary needs this offseason, especially if Will Fuller does get hurt. You kind of know, okay, we can't count on him anymore, and we can't just keep going with Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks, and Randall Cobb. That's so, not a good – that's not a good – I mean, the receiving core is not is not great. It's really mm-hmm. not. They, you, they I think they needed, needed that. It's very, it's very just in the definition of eh. Yeah, like, they need not, that one piece horrible. that's not there anymore. It's not horrible and it's not great. It's just it's not awful. There are worse groups out there, but they okay. need to get it's, better. It's okay. There it is. There's the word. <laughs> okay, fine. I think "eh" was a better description. Yeah. Honestly, I really that's that's doesn't, what I say it every give me time. Confidence. I mean, if Will Thor is out there, there's a chance he goes off. There's always that chance, but at the same time, there's a chance he walks five feet and. Gets yeah, out. I mean, he's he's a deep threat, which is something that this offense wasn't able to do. Was generate like deep yardage plays so i would expect them to i would expect you to see that moving forward but i don't know they need they have a lot of things they need to fix if they want to be in contention this season all right we're going to go down to our games of the week if you remember last year and yeah just last year because i was the first year we actually talked about football on the show mm-hmm. other than the super bowl we picked three big games of the week and we discussed each one of them in depth and we also had an upset pick which is my favorite part of this segment so the first game we're going to talk about is the packers and vikings and please, for the love of God, please beat the Packers, Kirk. Kirk Cousins, please. I'm not I'm confident. You. I'll say I'm that much. You. you know what? I, I don't want. I, I'm so tired. I mean, here comes the bias of being a Bears fan. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Here I it feel comes. it too, though. So it is so frustrating every year. 
seeing like you know Packers top five and everything. Like, oh, let's see if they win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, Adam like, Shine put them every, like number two. I'm, I'm not going on their I'm power not ranting, rankings. I'm not which, on the show. I'm not doing this. I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that at all. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up here is I think this is honestly going to be a tale of two running backs. Whichever one performs better ends up winning the game. Because honestly, I think everyone's like, oh, this is Aaron Rodgers' game. Well, no, it's not necessarily Aaron Rodgers' game as much as I think it's going to be Aaron Jones' game or Dalvin Cook's game. And I think if the Vikings outrun the Packers in this game, I think Rodgers and the Packers lose. And I also think if the uh, Packers outrun the Vikings in this game, I think the Vikings lose. Because right now we have, you know, Devin Funches obviously took that opt-out, right? So that's a big piece in Green Bay's offense that's out. And I know Funches is not... You know, the type of guy that people think is this all-pro, all-star guy, but he is a very, very vital piece to that offense that they're not going to have. Obviously, you have Devontae Adams. You kind of have a solid offense there in Green Bay, but Rodgers is obviously going to have to carry the workload and do most of the work. But then again, what's new? Okay, and Vikings also have the edge with a new addition of LSU wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Picking him up in that draft I thought was huge. And I think Cousins overall has more of an offense, I would say, to work around with and more pieces in that offense than Rodgers does. Although I think he's going to end up needing that more than anything else because he's not the kind of guy that I see as a playmaker the same way I would Rodgers. Although if Rodgers looks like himself last year, things are not going to go very well. Yeah, it's weird to call someone a vital piece of this offense when they never took snap in that offense, which Devin Funches did. But it felt like because the Packers are so thin at wide receiver, he was going to be a huge part of what they did. I mean, he's not great, but he's better than Alan Lazard. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Fun name to say. Equinemius St. Brown, is he still there? Like they just they don't have a lot of guys there that can do the um that can do the work of like a second wide receiver. And Lazard's gonna pick up that role again. And you know, he did okay in it last year, but he's not gonna be someone who's going to like turn heads and be like, Oh, look at this Alan Lazard kid over here. Like and then yeah, you mentioned the Vikings. They replaced Stefan Diggs with Justin Jefferson. I think they used the pick they got in the Diggs trade to actually pick Justin Jefferson. So quite literally they just swapped the two. And I think I think the offense is better. I'm interested to see how that defense goes. They did lose a lot of key pieces in free agency, and obviously they traded for Yannick Ngakwe last week, which really helped them. But I am interested to see how that defense fares, especially for, for, at cornerback. For me, it's gonna come down to yes, Delvin Cook. It's gonna have to play a huge role, but also gonna come down to Kirk Cousins himself. He had played very poorly against the Packers last season, threw three interceptions, half his total last year against the Packers, and he posted his two lowest passer ratings. Mm-hmm. So it really going to come down to, as we always we always make fun of Kirk Cousins in terms of his ability to, to show up when it matters most. I know all about that. Yeah, Michael has a history with <laughs> Kirk. And really, he had a great season last year, minus the Packer games. So it's really going to come down to, can he show up again? Can, can he... Can he get past that that shadow of when it comes to minus the status old like four and twenty eight against teams over five hundred? Mm-hmm. Can he get past that? And yeah. hopefully, I mean, yes, bias bias is involved. I'm I'm just throwing it out there. I really hope he does because one, it helps the Bears because if the Packers lose, and I think the Bears will beat the Lions, but that's a different story. <laughs> It'll help the Bears, and I also think Cousins could finally. Avenge himself. <laughs> yeah, he's been living in this poor. in this shadow his entire career. That's been the biggest knock on him is that he can't beat premium talent. And the Packers, I would think, definitely qualify as premium talent. So he needs to he needs to get the job done. He hasn't been able to his entire career, and they're paying him big money to play this way. So he needs to he needs to get his act together. Otherwise, who knows what's going on in Minnesota in the next couple of years? The quarterback maybe he'll be gone. Also, maybe. I think that. 
Cousins is overall, I, I, I don't know him personally, but I, I think he's a good guy. I mean, I, I don't want to see anybody fail like that and have the kind of uh, unsuccessful reputation surrounding his name the way he has, where he has really failed to perform in prime time. So it's it's unfortunate, and I really, honestly, I wish him the best because, you know, it's like everybody's, you know, saying bad stuff about you right now, and you got to have the goods to back it up. And I think he does in a lot of cases. I've just got to prove it in prime time. All right, if that's all we have, are we going right, to do picks for this one? As we know, we go around the table, make score predictions if you want, as we did last year. I was very bad at them, so I never did. <laughs> and we also... Pick the winners of the game. So Minnesota is favored by two and a half points, which is basically because they're home. Mm-hmm. Which, which is weird because there's no fans in the stadium anyways. It doesn't but... really have much of an impact anymore unless you're playing in maybe a case like Denver. So I'm going to go with Minnesota. I think the Vikings win. I'm not going to give a score prediction because I am so horrible at it, and I'm wrong every time. So I'm just going to pick the team straight up. Michael, what's your pick? I'm going to say the uh, Vikings win this game 31-28. I feel like I'm on. I, I feel like I shouldn't be on this island here, being the only one picking the Packers. But I'm picking the Packers to win this game. Not happy about it, but you know, you sometimes yeah. you got to make the pick. I don't know. Like I feel like <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was kind of surprised both of you picked the Vikings. I thought one of you would be with me on the Packers here. I just think they're a better I, you, team. You would have expected Michael. I mean, you pretty, you pretty much you know me. I mean, yeah, division games are always kind of weird. Yeah. But I thought at least one of you would think, hey, Green Bay is the better team. I'm going to take the Packers. But I'll be fine to take the win on my own. Puts me one point ahead of everyone. All right, the next game we're going to be talking about is God's team, a.k.a. the Dallas Cowboys, playing the Rams. And the big question of this one is, who will be the bigger disappointment this season? That's, Dallas that's, has... that's the storyline I'm looking at exactly. Will the Rams running backs knees survive? Will McCarthy clap? So many questions that need to be answered. Find out on Sunday <laughs> Night Football. This was one of the best off-seasons for Dallas in years. I mean, this was, I mean, they pick up Dontari Poe. They pick up the, a kicker, Greg Zerline, for God's sake, from the Los Angeles. Right? I think that was a great, they got a great kicker there. They get, of course, Andy Dalton. Got to love Andy Dalton. Everson Griffin from the Minnesota Vikings on a one-year $6 million deal. And then... Um, they, they picked up Alden Smith, although I don't think they – they don't have a, a contract released here. But, yeah, or no, yeah, one year, $4 million, they picked him up at end. And then, obviously, you have the draft. They re-signed Amari Cooper, re-signed Blake, Jar, uh, Blake Jarwin, excuse me, re-signed Sean Lee. Um, and, obviously, you have the addition of CeeDee Lamb in that offense, which is huge. And then you have the addition of Trayvon Diggs in that uh, defense, which is huge. So – this is going to be, I think this is going to be a very, very good team, I'd say. I really like this team in terms of their talent, but that's always been the thing with the Cowboys is can they actually live up to those expectations? And they got rid of Jason Garrett, who was kind of the, you know, he was the focus of all that every time they didn't live up to expectations. But I feel like they just kind of traded in Jason Garrett for like a better version of Jason Garrett. Like they didn't really change like philosophies or anything. And obviously Kyle Moore is going to be the one running that offense and he did that very well last season. But like how Mike McCarthy, I feel like is was holding the Packers back just in the same way that Jason Garrett was holding the Cowboys back in the past few years. So I really want to see this offense succeed because it's got so much talent with Amari Cooper. You didn't mention Michael Gallup and CeeDee yeah, yeah. Lamb. And then, you know, Those are the signings, but... they've got, well, yeah, but they've got so much talent on that offense and the offensive line isn't what it once was, but it's still a very good offensive line. They just need to finally put it all together. And this, this could be the year they finally end up doing it. 
they have the talent too. Why do I feel like that? That this is the year. Like thing is always surrounding this team. They're just always so talented, and they never put it together. Every, it's, every time, it's like you know what? Every every preview, it's like the Cowboys. What are they going to do this year? They have all this stuff, all these pieces. Will they get it together? And, and I fall for it. Eight and eight again. I like, fall for on. it every year. But this team, I feel like this team is too talented to be one of those teams. And I know we can go back year after year and say, oh, well, we said it about last year's team. We said it about that team. We said it about that team. But I really feel like if they if they let this get away from them, it just fold the team. As far as I'm concerned, like they can't let that happen this year. There's too much talent on this roster to let it happen again. The thing that's if, sad if they don't is get it to work. They can go right off into the sunset. If they sign, if they signed Jerry Rice in his prime, and if they signed Peyton Manning in his prime, let's just say for the heck of it, just for fun, I still think this team would go eight and eight. Like there's just there's something there that you know, is you know, just it's, not. It's all it's all because they knocked down old Dallas Peyton Stadium Manning and got and rid of the window where God could watch his team, so he punished them for it. <laughs> really, that's that's where it all comes down. I to. think I think when you like Mike McCarthy is probably objectively a much better coach than Jason Garrett. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Regardless of whether or not you think they're kind of the same style of coach, if McCarthy can, <laughs> if McCarthy can upgrade his offense to fit. That was his old knock with Aaron Rodgers was that his offense wasn't evolving to fit like the new style of the NFL. And he's not necessarily running that offense this year. It's Kellen Moore. So I think he'll be kind of like the game day coach. He'll be the one calling the shots in most cases. But Kellen Moore is going to be the one calling the plays and making sure that offense operates. So I think it'll be I think they'll be good on offense and I think they'll be fine enough on defense. I really think that Dallas will break 500 this year. I'm seeing with wide receivers in here, in terms of that, I'm seeing a team typically have a one, two, and a three guy. I'm seeing a one, one, and a two guy. Exactly. Maybe a one, one, and a one guy. But I mean, this is just the wide receiver thing is just ridiculous. They have Cooper, Gallup, Lamb. Yeah, this is just a phenomenal receiving core. And obviously, they have um, Blake Jarwin again at tight end. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's, I, I have high hopes this year for them, I would say. They just feel too talent rich to discount. Right. All right. God's team is favored by three points. They are playing in Los Angeles. So, I'm going to go first. As always, I'm going to pick God's team Sunday. Church will be in session. <laughs> Michael, go. I'm going to say God's team 14 to 10. Ooh, all right, all right. I am also taking the Cowboys in this one, God's team. I just feel like I feel like they're too, like I said, I feel it feels like they're too talent-rich to discount, so I'm going to not discount them until they prove to me that I should. All right, the final game we're going to talk about, Logan came with me and told me about this one. I was a little surprised as to why. So we're going to talk about the Niners and Cardinals. We have the Niners coming off of a heartbreaking loss in the Super Bowl. Well, around here, it's not a heartbreaking loss. <laughs> and the Cardinals, who are just... They, 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 they've put together a team that is interesting. They, there's a lot of... I, I don't know if I want to say hype around them, but there's a lot of discussion about how they'll play this season. There's definitely a lot of hype. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I'm all on board the Cardinal hype train, but then again, as you look at the history of the show, my predictions are always trash. <laughs> so I'm not going to give, I'm not going to say anything that may come back to hurt me t- uh, 10 weeks from now or whenever we continue doing, when playoffs roll around, if we're even here. Yeah. <laughs> I am very much in on the Cardinals hype train. I, I love Cliff Kingsbury as a coach, and he's proved, he proved last year that his offense can work in the NFL, which is what something a lot of people excuse me, were unsure about when he signed with Arizona. And obviously last week I picked Kyler Murray as my MVP pick. So I think that this offense will, you know, um, they have DeAndre Hopkins there, which is a huge help to them. And then 
Christian Kirk is still a very good wide receiver. Larry Fitzgerald who is, doesn't age. His withstanding the test of time. He actually said he will retire if the Cardinals win the Super Bowl this year. Well, looks like he'll be playing for another year. So I wonder if he just wants to keep going until he gets that ring. And honestly, I think he deserves it. But anyways, twenty years from now. And then yeah, and then you look at I'll Kenyon Drake. When I win a Super Bowl. <laughs> And then you look at Kenyon Drake on that offense, too. So there's a lot of things to like on this offense. The big question with the Cardinals is, can their defense pick up the slack? They Their defense was very bad last year, and they have— Swiss cheese comes to mind. Mm-hmm. They have Chandler Jones, but that's really like the only like high-powered pass rusher they have. So it's just a matter of, can they— can they put everything together? We're talking about the same thing with the Cowboys. Can they actually do it? I think they've got some decent enough pieces to kind of— Make it happen. I mean, Buda Baker just got signed to a massive extension this offseason. Drake Kirkpatrick so. also from the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think up. of the corner who they drafted last year or two years ago um, behind Patrick Peterson, but I can't think of his name right now. Byron Jones comes to mind, but I know that's not it. Byron Murphy. Close. Byron Murphy. Thank yeah. you. That's who it was. The cornerback out of Washington. Right. So he's. I think he was injured last year, but he's coming back. And this. This. Two they can make. Yeah. Yeah, they could make some noise. Now, do I think they beat the 49ers in this game? Spoiler alert, no. But I think they can be a team that kind of generates some buzz and people are talking about as like a fun team to watch. So I think this they'll, game's going to be a lot They'll be a fun 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of an accurate assessment. They're, they're, they're not going to be the Cardinals of last year where it's just like, oh, yeah, the Cardinals are playing today. Yay. Let's, let's go watch them lose by like 30, 30 points. So, but I, I touched upon it with everything you guys said. I'm looking forward to this game. Now, I always hope for upsets, as always. Right. That's just the way I am, because upsets make everything chaos, and chaos is fun in sports, especially I, when college football rolls around. I love chaos. So, the Niners are favored by seven. I'm going to t- pick the easy pick. I'm going to pick the Niners to win. So, call me talk, whatever. I'm going straight up with all the favorites this week. That's it. No score prediction, because I'm bad. Michael... <laughs> Honestly, I don't have a score prediction, but I do think the Niners are going to win this game. I don't know by how much. I don't know if it's going to be two scores, three scores, one score, whatever. I think it'll be closer than than two scores, but I'm going to say it's around 10 points. That'll be my, my honest prediction for you guys. But yeah, I think San Francisco wins I'm just throwing game. numbers and hope they stick. We, yeah. we've, we've agreed on two of these, which is always a little interesting interesting game to see how many all three of us agree on, but I am also taking the Niners in this game. I feel like it's it's the obvious pick regardless, but it's still going to be a fun game, I think. And the final thing of our Games of the Week segment is the upset pick, which I have made an executive order that everyone now has to make an upset pick, no matter what, even if you don't believe in it, you're forced to do it because it's fun. So I'm going to ask all you guys a question. Are you ready for some Fitz magic? Because I sure am. I have the Dolphins over the Patriots. The Patriots are favorites for six and a half points. I think it's going to be an interesting game for the Patriots. This is Cam's game for first start, a new offense. I think he might have some first game dinners, first time playing since last year, since game one of last year. So, and honestly, week one fits magic. He, he, he has hurt me once <laughs> in the past two years when I picked the uh, Saints t- to beat the Buccaneers in a uh, losing pool, and that failed miserably. So I'm going to say, you know what, you better win this time or else. So my pick, upset pick of the week, Dolphins over Patriots. 
I'm going to pick, um, for my upset pick, I'm going to pick the uh, Falcons over the Seahawks. The last meeting resulted in Seattle victory 27-20, to and Carroll Seahawks are obviously 1-5. It's an interesting stat line when starting the season on the road, so I thought the Falcons have a serious chance here. The Falcons ended last season on a four-game win streak. I know Dan Quinn kind of picked things up there at the end of the end of the season, which included a tightly contested game against San Francisco, where I don't know if you guys remember Julio Jones caught that uh, game-winning touchdown and obviously broke the plane and uh, re- uh, replaced Austin Hooper, who did initially, but was called back and ruled not a catch. So, I think honestly, I think this is a this is a tougher game than what most people are making out, and I think the Falcons are going to pull this one off. For my upset, I am choosing the Carolina Panthers over the Las Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders, as I almost said. And, I mean, they've got a first-year head coach in Matt Rule. They've got their quarterback's first year in their system, but they still have Christian McCaffrey. They still have DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, they added this offseason, is a viable deep threat for them. So they've got a lot to like on this offense, and then they completely overhauled that defense. It's very rookie-heavy, obviously. Derek Brown, their first-round pick. Yatur Gross Matos is a defensive end. There was their second-round pick. And Jeremy Chin, also a second-round pick. So they're all talented players, and the transition on defense for rookies is much easier than it is for offense. So I think you can see a scenario where they come out and make some noise early on, and then you still have Dante Jackson, who played very well last year, still have Trey Boston, Shaq Thompson, and Brian Burns. So there's a lot of talent on this team, and I think they can. everyone's focused on the Raiders because they're the... They're like the hot team to like right now because they got Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and they this offense looks great. And I mean, I don't know. I think the Panthers can come out this week and kind of shock some people. Not not many people have been talking about all the changes they made because Teddy Bridgewater is their quarterback and they have a first-year head coach. But I think they can make some noise early on. Well, there you go. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first here, folks. So with that, we're going to take a short break. We come back this week in baseball on Hot Corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Harbin. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. KCOU is brought to you by MaxFix. Broken phone? You're in luck. Conveniently located in the MU Student Center behind the U.S. Bank, MaxFix provides a variety of technical services, including crack screen repair, battery replacement, and computer repair. To learn more about MaxFix, visit www.maxfixmazoo.com. For questions and quotes, call 573-219-7551. Let MaxFix take care of all your repair needs. Again, that number is 573-219-7551. This fall is a KCOU Sports Saturday. Listen to your favorite KCU Sports shows every Saturday all day long. Catch No Huddle, Mizzou Football, Basketball, and more every Saturday. It's not just a Saturday. It's a KCOU Sports Saturday. This baseball season has been, well, odd to say the least. We've had a lot of teams that have come out of nowhere, and the ones that come to mind immediately are the Blue Jays. I mean, you can say the Padres are a year or two early. I wouldn't say it. But you look at the White Sox, which 2017, me, I'm going to keep bringing it up on the show. Maybe if it comes true, I'll be mad at myself, but I guess happy. I don't know. 2017, me said the White Sox would win the World Series this year. I hope I am dead wrong. But they've come out of the woodwork as a team that's been very, very good this year. So 
I want to talk about the NL West first, because before, the NL West was the end of a joke. Like, every show we did, it was like, oh, the NL, NL, NL West, oh, it's just trash. It's the Dodgers. That's usually what it is. But really, there was a time last week where four of the teams in the division were going to make the playoffs. Isn't it? The Giants were in there, the Padres, the Rockies, which, say what you want about the Rockies, they're very mediocre. And, of course, the Padres. So... I'm going to open up to you guys. What are you guys' thoughts on the NL West? Because I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious what Michael has to say. Because, you know, Michael with his bad takes all the time, you know, he might, he might give me something like, you know, the Giants won the World Series this year. So, Oh, no, I do Let not think know. that. Uh, Giants are a couple years away. I would want to say I like San Diego right now a lot. I think San Diego is a very hot team. Team of the week, obviously, 8-2 uh, and two in their last Spoilers. 10. Spoiler. Spoiler, Spoiler. alert. Spoiler. <laughs> Um, obviously with the addition of, I mean, well, Tatis makes everything more exciting, doesn't he? And, and, you know, I think that this has been a really exciting kind of, I mean, I know they beat the Rockies. The Rockies are not great. They're okay. Um, they obviously, they swept them and then they came back. They took, I want to say, uh, Two of three with the Athletics. So they're on a hot streak right now, and I think they're giving the Dodgers a run for their money. Granted, they are three and a half games back, and at this point in the season, it's a little bit tough. But, you know, I, I wasn't, ex- I mean, I, I agree with you, Patrick. I wasn't expecting it to be this close either. But this has been a very, very, very good division I, so far. I, I, I was expecting the Padres to be good this year. I was like, you know what? We saw flashes of it last year. Tatis is up there, Paddock's up there, a whole bunch of other guys in the team as well. Good supporting cast. I saw that I'm like, you know what? The Padres are one one year away. They might, they might make the playoffs this year. Probably lose in the first round or make it as a wild card, losing a wild card. But next year was going to be the year. Now, granted, this year has been 60 games. Could do any team. Any any team could could make the playoffs unless you're the Pirates, where you're just bad. But any team can make the playoffs at this point. This is the good. I've, this is the the best I've seen them play since Tony Gwynn. I mean, this has been a very I was very say good. Like, since the days of like Brian Giles or something like an O three or something. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Around, I would. I mean, well, they, uh, they, that, that's a, that's a flashback name you guys have probably never heard of. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was I was going when you think about Padres glory days. I always think of Trevor Hoffman, Tony Gwynn back in uh, nineteen ninety seven in that World Series again. Or excuse me, not nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight. I want to say was it ninety eight? The ninety eight World series against the uh, New York Yankees, one of the Yankees World Series in the 1990s. But I want to say that, you know, and particularly with this team, when you look at the kind of talent that they have, they certainly have, I would say, the talent to or the as much potential as they do to kind of give everybody a run for their money. Now, I don't know if they're World Series contenders this year. I don't think it's fair to say that just yet. Patrick, to your point, I think they go out the first round. But they are very, very, they are close. They are closer than I think I would have thought the Padres would be. Um, We all knew they'd be good, but I didn't know they'd be this good. Yeah, I think it's ultimately still the Dodgers division, but the Padres have shocked this year. Gotta run for their money. They're about, I mean, it's it's tough to overcome three and a half games back with, I think, 15-ish games back. Yeah, games depending, left depending for each on team. if you played a team that came down with COVID. Yeah, so most teams, um, I believe the Dodgers have four, or the um, Dodgers have fifteen, the Padres have fourteen. If I my math is correct, yes, so your maths are correct. <laughs> I, I love when my maths are correct, but yeah, so I, I do mean, English well. Don't worry, it's it's a very tough thing to overcome, and I feel like you know you look at the third best team in the, the division and the Giants, who are nine nine games back out of first. So I mean. The Padres are definitely a good success story this year, but I I agree with you guys. They need another year before they can actually take that next step. Also, I'm going to throw this out here. We haven't mentioned it yet on here, 
But the Braves scored 29 runs against the Marlins, which was one away from a, a record set by the Rangers where they scored 30. I can't for the life of me remember who they played. It might have been the Orioles. I want to say it might I want to I want to say it was the Orioles. I'm probably dead wrong. But they won, I believe, 30 to 3. So I was watching that game with 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 Michael, another one of my roommates, and it's like, you know what? 29 runs. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of been the trend of this week. We've had a lot of games where 10-plus runs have been scored, which honestly is quite rare, especially if it's not 20, 2018 when with the juiced baseballs. But, you are right that it is oh my God, the look at that. Look at Baltimore that. Orioles 30-3. to I might, I might go play the lotto today. Maybe I'll win. <laughs> but it's you can say maybe it's because of pitchers not being fully prepared for the season. Now, granted, we're almost at a three-quarter spot. For some teams, we are at the three-quarter spot. 29 runs. That sounds, like, that sounds like a slugfest score, doesn't it, Michael? <laughs> I wanted to point out here, and I'm going to call myself an idiot on the show because, a, okay. unfortunately. He's finally admitting it. Well, we always knew. We just, <laughs> just waiting for just a matter of when he finally accepted it. Well, there was a point at this game, and I know folks are looking at the scoreline, and they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's such a Please big don't say you thought the Marlins were going to win. It, they, they made a game of it. They really did. It was like what? It was like they were they were losing eleven to like three, and they came back, and it was like eleven to seven. So I was like, "Oh, the Marlins are making a game out of it," and I was like, "Oh, wow!" And the next thing you know, they put on a, a lot of runs here. I mean, you look at the score line here; it was um, eight to thirteen at one point. It was only a five-run game uh, in the top of the fourth inning. Plenty of baseball left, and obviously after Brian Anderson's sack fly. Um, it made things very, very tight. But then Freddie Freeman came in and he doubled, and then it was sixteen to eight, nineteen to eight with Adam Duvall, who spoiler alert is uh, stop giving spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, three home runs stop is hard that. to look past. But honestly, I thought they were going to break the record. I really did. Uh, I was I, like, I mean, there's it's got to happen. See, but what they didn't do, they weren't throwing position players in. Usually at this point in in baseball, when you're losing by a lot of runs, you're like, you know what? I don't want to waste any bullpen arms, so I'm going to start throwing my backups in. I throw a backup catcher, and I throw a backup outfielder, backup first base. You get the drill. And really, a lot of baseball fans love when teams throw position players because it's something that's so rare. I've got to see it in person. I'm not too happy about the outcome (laughs) of the game I saw because the Cubs got slaughtered, but I got to see John Jay pitch. And it's something just funny about it. Because they're throwing, either they throw upper 70s, which makes sense, or they're throwing very slow in the 50s, as in the case of John Jay. But what was really weird about the Marlins is that they gave up all these runs on, I believe, four pitchers. Four. Imagine that one pitcher, you're out there, and you give up 12 runs, and coach is like, go pitch another. <laughs> like, coach, I don't want to go out there. Yeah. Just imagine that. And it's also not like it's not like they beat up on a very bad team. Like, the Marlins, well, the Marlins are over 500 are at the over moment. over 500 and possibly maybe have a shot at making the playoffs, and I'm going to eat my words with a bet I made with one of my friends where I predicted that they were not going to win 24 games. So I'll eat my words and my bad predictions. So... And one more kind of thought on the I pitcher thing more. there. I, I wanted to bring up Tommy Malone, I think, was through 76 pitches, not even three innings into the game. So, like, it was like, you know, what the heck. But the other thing that I wanted to point out, imagine putting it, someone brought this up. Imagine your offense comes together and scores nine runs and you end up losing by 20 runs. That's just crazy. That, to me, is absolutely utter insanity. I don't know how you how you psychologically come back from that, but... Honestly, the I mean, Braves pitching. You, you, you were, could just write it off as just like you know, it's just one of those days, isn't it? But Malone <laughs> didn't have a great game either. I mean, he had eight hits, eight earned runs, two walks, four Ks. You know, it was like, and his pitch count was really high in in the third inning. I mean, you should not have like or second inning. You should not have seventy six pitches in the second inning. 
So it was just, it was crazy, but it was obviously a, a, a kind of a thing where everybody was like new territory for everyone. Yeah, it was, it was one of those games you're probably not going to see again the rest of the season or maybe all of next year. Maybe. Maybe the next 10 years. I wouldn't say the next 10 years because usually there's one game per year that's completely outrageous. Usually one of those. This is it. All right. So, as usual, we pick our awards ceremony. We have the Pitcher of the Week, Hitter of the Week, and the Team of the Week. I'm always first. I'm going to go with Pitcher of the Week this time. Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers. at 2-0, allowed no earned runs and 18 strikeouts in the past week. Dominance coming from the Brewers, which is something... We're not used to seeing this year, given that they're 19 and 22 and fairly just average. So congrats, Corbin, from all of us here at the Hot Corner. Michael, you're up. Uh, hard to look past this guy. Royals rookie Brady Singer. I know we were watching this game. Seven and two-thirds inning took the no-hit bid all the way into the se- uh, seven uh, innings. So that's pretty ace. incredible. Yeah, to the ace, excuse me. Yeah, We pitched seven and two-thirds innings, but it was incredible. The Royals ended up winning the game 11-1. Uh, to one. I remember we were just kind of watching this kid, you know, growing up before our eyes. Um, just out there pitching incredibly against was Cleveland. Was like son or something? <laughs> well, what kind of a well, comment yeah. is that? He was growing up before our eyes. Yeah, we knew I mean, he was, he was incredible. He was in college. He's trying to make the point that he was he's a very young guy. He's a very young guy, really well. and he came out there, not his debut, but obviously he's a rookie, so he played incredible um, taking that no-hit fit in there, so... This one I went. It was it was a little tough to choose one this week, but I went with um, you, Darvish. The Chicago Cubs, thirteen innings pitched, only allowed three hits, four earned runs, and twenty strikeouts. So he is he's a front runner for Cy Young this year, which is good for me. <laughs> I am a Cubs fan. So hitter of the week, Michael and I. Michael has hinted at it. I picked Adam Duvall. He had two, three home run games in the past fourteen days, past two weeks. I took a little liberty with with the player because. Three home run games are very hard to come by, and especially when you do it twice. Yeah, multiple. That Mm -hmm. is amazing. He had five home runs in the past seven days. Phenomenal week. Good job. I went with Adam Duvall as well. Do we all do do it? Do we we need to uh, go around the table on this one? I feel like it's very tough to choose anyone else. Duvall. 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 (laughs) Duvall. All right. And finally, the team of the week. Again, Michael likes to spoil things around here. (laughs) I picked the San Diego Padres. Seven and three in the past ten games. Won a series against the A's, which are probably the, one of the best teams in baseball right now. And really just the biggest, not, I don't want to say the biggest surprise, but probably the most fun team to watch this season. And yeah, the San Diego Padres are my team of the week. Michael, you don't, we both. We yeah, both we're, we're, so I'm not, I'm not yeah. even going like, to point to you yeah. and ask for your opinion because I know it's not going to be worth my time yes. anyways. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I went with the Atlanta Braves for my team of the week this week because of their 29-9 win over the Marlins. I didn't feel like there was... I felt like there was no other option for me. Just a great game. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a good enough. That's a that's a good enough explanation. I literally wrote in my notes after twenty one nine over twenty nine nine over the Marlins. Need I say more? <laughs> you actually wrote that down. I actually did. Yes, it's it's there with a the question mark and everything. All right, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back. We're gonna talk some hockey here in the hot corner on KCU eighty four one FM and KCU FM. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. More fun than a 13-hour binge on Netflix. With KCLU Columbia, 
If you love them enough to sit through their favorite boy band with them, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ag Council. The playoffs have been interesting, per se. My prediction still stands, I believe. I had the Golden Knights and the Lightning in, as my Stanley Cup prediction, so it's still working, even though the Golden Knights lost last night in a overtime loss to the Dallas Stars, 3-2. to two. It was, I, didn't, I watched a little bit of it in between the football game last night, which, honestly, I probably should have watched a hockey game instead because Thursday night sucks, but <laughs> really... As usual, I'm just going to throw it over to the hockey expert in the studio, Logan Franz. So fire away with questions that one not. Yeah, I think the Stars looked like the clear better team in game one in this one, and the Knights looked like the clear better team in game two. So it's really, it's going to be a fun series. My prediction was Stars over the Lightning, so mine is also still intact. But I'm not sure I have so many questions about this one. I think we see it's a pretty evenly set series, probably going to end up going to seven. We'll see how that ends up. But the one I want to talk about is the Islanders and the Lightning because that one seems kind of like a mismatch, I'll be honest. And we saw the the Lightning throttle the Islanders last year with an 8-1 to one victory. And then I, I believe Game 2 finished with a score of 2-1. to one. Yeah, so it was 2-1 to one and an 8-2 to two victory in Game 1. 8-2, I'm sorry. So You should be. <laughs> we, we, see that, we see that. And the question I want to give to you guys first is, do you think the Lightning are going to run away with the series the way you they know, did against that, Boston? That, that was a question I had. I had... In my list, and I said, are the Lightning going to do it? <laughs> I say it in terms of Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. They made the Stanley so Cup many in times, the final in we, 2015. We've seen, we, we've seen them, and there's, again, another team that has so much hype around it every season. You're like, the Lightning, they got so many pieces. They got Stamkos. They got Killorn. They got so many guys. You're like, this team has got to win something. It feels like that's this might be the year, and I guess we can keep saying, you know, it always has been, but they've got Braden Point who's playing very well. Andre Pilat has played very well the past couple of games. So, and obviously Victor Hedman is you know well, front runner in my mind for the Norris yeah. Trophy, the best defenseman in the league. So they've got they've got the pieces, and they're finally starting to put it all together. Vasilevsky's had an impressive playoffs. So I feel like they've looked like that dominant force that we have expected them to be for a couple of years, and they're just they're taking very very good playoff teams. And just absolutely destroying them, at least in one game of the series. And obviously, you know, you play more than one game, but it's looked they've looked like the clear better team throughout most of these playoffs, except when they were playing Columbus. That was a tough matchup. I don't know if you guys remember. Never never forget that series because that series was fun. (laughs) That was so much fun. See, I always have fun in making fun of the teams that are always predicted to do so well in a season. And when they fail at something, it's like, haha, look at that. You lost to a team that has never won a playoff series and got swept by them. I don't know if you guys remember the um, 2010 Tampa Bay Lightning, um, which I remember watching as a 10-year-old kid who took Boston to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals that year when they had Martin St. Louis. And obviously that was when uh, Tim Thomas was in net for the Boston Bruins, and they ended up beating the Vancouver Canucks in the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Canucks fans rioted. It was um, 2011. So it was 2011, Michael. 2011 2010, Stanley Cup the, Finals, 2010. 2010 is yeah. when season. the Blackhawks won. 2010-11 season. 2010-11 season, yeah, excuse me. 
Excuse me. I apologize, Blackhawks fans. Don't, don't, don't forget about that dynasty. I apologize. Sincer- sincerely apologize. That is a threat. Yes, I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. But anyway, you know, that this is kind of as good as we're kind of seeing them there. And I think that they have the, the fire lit under them or the, the flash as you want to say. I was going to say, maybe uh, they're not a flash in the pan this year. But <laughs> no, yeah. That one was a better one than Michael's. Michael's felt yeah. like a stretch, like he was reaching for it. Yeah, but, and you know, I think after what happened last year, I, I respect what they're doing. I mean, you know, the embarrassment, they're coming back with a vengeance. They got 2-0 on the Islanders right now. And you know what? I think the Islanders make this series a little bit closer. I'm not going to say that uh, they just get swept here. I don't think that that's going to happen. But I do think the Lightning win this series the way that they've it's, been playing. It's, it's going to be it's going to be like a four to one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It felt so really in that game when like like the Lightning are up three zero. It's like okay, big whoop, you win, and then they're going to win. That's yeah. The second coming of UVA here. I don't know if you guys, <laughs> you know. It felt very weird in the Eastern Conference. I'm sorry to change gears on you like that, yeah. but I wanted to make another point that like because the way the round robin ended was. It felt like it should have been reversed. Like Tampa Bay got the second seed, and then Philly got the first seed, and then you have Boston down there with the fourth seed. So they got a tougher matchup, you know, than they would have if the round robin had ended differently. Like maybe if the Flyers had gotten number two, they would have played the Flyers, and they probably would be in the Eastern Conference Final right now. So it's just it's been tough. And then obviously the Islanders I mean, I, upsetting I can't the say Caps. I feel bad. And, I mean, I can't either. I'm just saying I feel like that's <laughs> what would have happened. So now you've got the Islanders upsetting the Caps, and that kind of threw a wrench in everything. So they're kind of the surprise team of these playoffs. Thank you for but I, me. I don't think they're better than the Lightning. I just don't think so. I think they, the Islanders will be able to bring this to five, maybe six. But I, I, It's going to be five. There it is. I'm throwing it at the wall, hoping it sticks. Five games, <laughs> Lightning wins. If 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 the Lightning's ball like a 3-1 lead, I'm it's going to cry I, I feel and never like predict things ever again. They're, they've been so good the past few days that I really don't want to say they can they could blow the lead even if they find themselves you know, leading 3-1, but I mean, anything's possible in 2020. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about Stars Knights? Because I feel like we've... Yeah, we, we, had a, we had a couple of minutes. We had like a minute or two to spare on a little bit, so we, we, can, we can discuss it just a little bit. Yeah, it's been one of the better Western Conference Finals I remember in the past few years, and Vegas looks so good, and Dallas really turned it on against Colorado and they finally found their offense, which is something that we were wondering about, like, will they be able to make a run? And they found their offense and they've been, they've been playing very well the past couple of games. So I'm just going to open the floor to any comments about Vegas, Dallas for you I'm guys. thinking Dallas wins this in like seven. Honestly. Yeah, I, it, I have a feeling of anything. This game, this game will go seven. I think the Golden Knights will win for the sake of my prediction only. Yeah, and I also have, because Robin Lanner, because you can't hate Robin Lanner. I, no, you, you can't, can't hate Robin Lanner. I still picked Dallas to win the series. And I picked them to win the cup. And that might have been a little bit overreaction to how they played against the Avs. I mean, obviously, they brought the Avs to seven, which are very good. Or they brought the Avs. Did they win that in six or seven? I think it was seven. It was yeah, definitely seven. It was definitely seven. But, yeah, they they beat the Avs in seven. And now they're. I think they're going to push Vegas to seven. And they've just been – they've looked like a very good team. And they've been playing well against quality teams. And I don't think anyone really expected them to be here. I mean, they were close to it last year as well. But I don't think anyone really expected them to be here this soon. And now here they are, and they're fighting for a spot in the final. All right, next two games. I'm going to say this is something we haven't done yet. Predict the next two games. Just give me a score prediction because I just want to have some fun. So Lightning Islanders, Lightning wins 3-1. to one. I'm going to say Lightning win 4-2. to two. I'm saying Lightning win one nothing. Wow, how bold of you. <laughs> and for Gold Knights, Gold Knights win 4-3. to three. Oh, that's Overtime. exactly what I was going to say. I'm going to say... Wow. Vegas no, wins. That I'm was exact. Say, I'm serious. I'm going to say Vegas wins next game two to zero. I was going to say four to three in overtime. 
I swear. I'm not As kidding. As I said in the show last week, good minds think alike, but idiots rarely, rarely disagree. disagree yes. Model of the show. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a very short break. We come back. The final word. All this and more on Hot Corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man, mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man, mm, man. When you hear that song, it only means one thing. You might think Animal House, as a lot of people will think, but for me, it'll always be associated with the final word. My favorite segment of the show, as you know, I always pick something weird that's happened in the sports world. Michael picks a hero of the weekend. Logan ends us off with a nice feel-good story. So, without further ado... I'm going to go first. Now, to say that it isn't weird watching fanless games is just plain wrong. There is something wrong seeing nobody out in the bleachers at Wrigley or around the rink in the NHL. Even yesterday's game felt a little odd seeing a bunch of fans dressed up as red seats. However, some teams have taken advantage of the situation, even made jokes. Here are a few of my favorites. We all know and love the cutouts that surround the seats of every baseball team. One White Sox fan bought an entire section of the stands to put... Hundreds of cutouts of himself. It keeping in tech with baseball during an Orioles game, there was a rain delay. And the people who who work on the Jumbotron decided to put this on the screen. We are currently in a rain delay. For fans wishing to experience the immersive Camden Yards AR experience, please take a shower. That, that one might be one of my favorite things that I've seen, but I think the NHL has been the best at this. So, the first thing I'm going to talk about with the NHL is one time, one game, the PA announcer said to the stadiums, like, we here at the NHL would like to take a moment to thank all of our fans and return to play. And guess what? Camera pans over to a section of the stands. And I'm not kidding. Three giant metal fans, spotlight and all, were sitting down there, and there was a bunch of fake round of applause in that one. Also, in terms of hat tricks, an intern who works at the NHL will come down and she'll walk down and cheer him. I've, I've, the one video I come to mind is uh, the one of the interns, she took a hat and just threw one hat on the ice for the hat. <laughs> <laughs> and they had the camera following her, and it was pretty funny. But probably one of my favorite things that I've seen in both the NHL and the MLB is attendance. The NHL said, today's attendance for the game, it was, I believe it was Blues and Canucks. I believe so. Showed zero. And the Cubs said, they, they every every Cubs game, they do guess the attendance. So they're like, the PA guy comes on and he's like, guess the attendance for today's game at Wrigley Field. And it shows, A, A, 39,700 and something. B, 41,500. C, 124. D, zero. <laughs> so keep it up with these jokes. We all like him here, and it gives us a, put, it puts a smile on our face and help us get through these troubling times. <laughs> so there you go. Michael. You're up. Hey, guys, got a quick joke for you. Guess why Why was the stadium so hot? Because there were no fans. Because all the fans ha, left. Ha, ha, ha. 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, you have lost your talking privileges. Here's a, here's a, I guess we're not doing yes. Hero of the Week. It's time for yes, me. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Logan, 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 Logan Friends. Um, no, actually, I, I got a good story for you guys. It, NFL kind of touched up on this uh, last night. NBC uh, touched up on it, but. I don't know if you guys, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Laurent Dunervay-Tardif, offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, is uh, opting out of this season to continue to fight the COVID-19 pandemic in his hometown of Quebec in Canada. Um, congratulations to him, and uh, thank you very much for your service, uh, Mr. Tardif, if I'm pronouncing his name. Uh, Tardif. Durene Tardif, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And he's obviously working at a long-term care facility, um, acting as a uh, kind of like a doctor or whatever to, to help fight this thing. And um, kudos to all of our healthcare heroes out there who are working so hard to fight this on a daily basis. We're all in here wearing masks, so... <laughs> You know, we're we're doing pretty well as a society right now because of them. So I also just want to note that it's not kind of a doctor. He is well, literally yeah. a doctor. He yeah. has a doctorate degree. Yeah. He is working to fight this virus that is. I don't know if he, I was talking about if he was working in the ER or if he was working in a facility aside. Yeah, uh, I think he's working doctors. on like a vaccine or something. No, but, yeah, obviously he's a doctor, but I was yeah. saying what he was actually doing. I get what was you're saying. He was working with it. Yeah. But yeah, so my I like to send you off with a feel good story, and I'll admit it's been hard to find one. For the last past couple weeks, I love using stories from high school sports because I think there are a lot of unique stories you don't see that often. But they've there have been less just because high, not as many high schools are actually playing sports this season. So I went with something again from one of the major sports leagues. This one comes from the MLB, from the great, great city of Washington, D.C., or I guess it's a city and also like a territory. Federal, it's, federal district. Yes, federal district. And the Washington Nationals have called up the contract of 32-year-old rookie Yadiel Hernandez. And he played professionally for five years in, in Cuba before signing with the Nationals in 2016. And now he's finally getting his shot in the major leagues. And it's just great to see stories like that. And um, Washington's manager, Dave Martinez, said, it's an older guy trying to live out his dream, and that's to play in the major leagues. To be the guy to tell him, yeah, congratulations, you worked really hard, keep doing what you're doing. To see his face today was awesome. And he hit 33 homers in the minors and was named Washington's Minor League Player of the Year. So it's just it's good to see a guy like that get his chance, even if it may be coming a little late at age 32. You always, you always love to see these things in baseball. I mean... One of my favorite things is to look at some guys who have spent all their life in the minors, and when they eventually get that call, no matter how many years, whether it be 15 years they spend down in AAA, AA, single A, being really living the true MLB life, the true baseball life, for the love of the game. If you're in those minor leagues and you're traveling everywhere, you're not getting paid much, you're spending nights in people's houses, because that's basically what they'll do, mm -hmm. Fans will, uh, families will adopt players and have them live in their houses. If you're going through all that and you finally get that call and you get to go play, even if even if it's in an empty stadium like in the case this year, congratulations because mm -hmm. that is that is really staying true to your dream. And we yeah. all have to respect that. Mm -hmm. And it's the way baseball just is. Most players spend years and years in the minors before they get their shot in the majors. And for Hernandez, it came a little later than it would for maybe most people, but it's still a great success story, even if it even if it took him until age 32. Also, I want to bring up something else involving that. I don't know if you guys remember Jim Morris, the movie for which the rookie was based, the 35-year-old, mm -hmm. uh, I want to say science teacher, high school science I can teacher. I tell you, but it did mention Texas. that in the article that yeah, the movie Yeah, he was another off. kind of story of that. So it's just great mm -hmm. to see those things happen, obviously, and it was a great... Great storyline for that.
And with that, that is the end of another episode of the Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Herrian, Michael Imami, at Imami Michael, at Logan, at the Logan France. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and any other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. We hope you have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. And we will see you next week, same place, same time. It's been Hot Corner, signing off. Dancer, came dancing to my door. Last night